1: You're listening to the Pure Desire Podcast, your safe place to find hope, healing, and freedom from sexual addiction, betrayal, and relationship issues. What's up? What's up? I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and you're listening to episode 249 of the Pure Desire Podcast. Here joining me, as always, is my co host, Nick Stumbo. It takes two, baby. <laughs> Just me and you. <laughs> well,
2: who's the artist? Uh, according to this little YouTube video, <laughs> it appears to be Marvin Gaye. Oh, okay. There you go. I don't know that he wrote it, but mm. he's probably n- known for it.
1: Those Marvin Gaye aficionados who are listening right now are probably going to send you some They're probably cringing emails. or turning yeah. over
2: in their grave because, yeah, yeah I, I will not be accused of a good Marvin Gaye impersonation. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. No. Well, I think it's okay to just leave it there. Uh, so today we had Ashley Jameson back on. She is our associate director of groups here, and uh, for women's groups specifically. And we had her on to talk about leading, getting women's groups going, but specifically leading them in our churches.
2: Yeah. yeah, it makes me think of one of our speakers, Rodney Wright, when he preaches on John chapter eight. He likes to call it not the woman caught in adultery. He likes to call it the man who missed his healing. Mm. Because it brings up like, there's a missing part of this story. And I think when we talk about launching groups in a church, we find that a lot, that there's a missing part to the story. I got all these men's group, we're helping the men and men who struggle with lust and men who struggle with, it's like, well, all big percentage of those men are married. Mm -hmm. And so what are we doing for the women? And then, oh yeah, by the way, women are human too. And women have eyes and brains and hormones and, and there are women who struggle. What are we doing for them? And so it really takes two, it takes group for groups for men. It takes groups for women. And to really have a healing approach that is holistic so that couples can heal together, families can heal together, and ultimately what that means is the church can heal together. Because if we're only helping men get healthy but women are left uh, to fend for themselves in this area, it's it's just not going to work. And so our hope and goal in this episode is to really empower women to think about how they could lead. Uh, to really encourage churches and men to think about how they could support that and make room for that. And I think moving forward, we're just going to see that's the norm, that, that we've got recovery for men and for women in this area of sexual brokenness. And so we hope today's episode helps with that.
1: Absolutely. I also now, it clicked. I can hear the Marvin Gaye song now. Okay. I'm tracking with you.
2: I realized I don't know it that well. But it's it's just thematically it worked really well for this podcast hey man you, you said it uh okay I don't like you know i don't like go to my office and do like singing practice and you know these are mostly spur of the moment things so if it happens to come correctly into my head as i'm doing okay. it that's about as close as i'm gonna get
1: now my office is right across the hall from yours so i would know if you practiced all right a few things <laughs> before all, we all. get going <laughs> today's episode is sponsored by covenant eyes and their restored vows free 14 day video course In this course, Brandon and Tonya Clark talk through the dark period where pornography impacted their marriage and how they found healing and hope. If you're interested in checking out this free course, you can text the word VOWS to 66866. That's V-O-W-S to 66866 and find the power in restored VOWS. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, do it. Don't wait anymore. You can find us on all the major platforms. Give us a review. It helps other people see the podcast means a lot to us. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pure Desire PDMI. If you like to consume video content, the full episode is up on YouTube. Just search Pure Desire Ministries. And Nick, we want people to know about it, man. It's out. We're excited. We are pumped for everyone ever to go through this. It's the group leader training.
2: Yes, the group leader... Well. I don't know about everyone ever, because we would also want them to be have an understanding of sexual brokenness by going through sexual integrity. 101. You ruined my sales pitch. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's what I wanted to say. Like it's in my mind, it's the two together. That's so powerful because yeah. if you've been using sexual integrity one one and I might add the conquer series, you're getting a really good overview of sexual brokenness, the mm-hmm. recovery path, what it looks like. And you've probably got people starting to go, man, this is good. We need to do something. And then let's start groups. And, and when people in churches get to that point, they're like, and stop. Who's going to lead like you and everyone's like, oh, not me. I'm not yeah. ready. I can't, I, yep. you yep. know, and people that are maybe really qualified to lead are saying, well, this isn't really my issue. Should I be leading? And so what we developed here is really so that when you get to that phase, you're like we're ready to launch some groups, you can raise up some leaders. You can have them go through this group leader training video series. They can do it self-paced on their own time at home. I mean, if, if you wanted to do a few people together in a room, you definitely could do that, but yep. we really designed it just to be a self-paced Um, on your own, getting trained, and then getting to the end and having that completion certificate that says, hey, I've I've been trained. I'm ready to help lead groups at our church. And we also think it'll be super, super valuable if you've been leading, maybe even for a number of years, but you're wondering, as many of us have, like, am I doing this right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. I just did what I saw my leader before me totally. do. What does Pure Desire recommend? That's exactly what this video series is for, to really help you get refreshed, to go back to some of the basics of what is group all about and hopefully hone your leadership mm-hmm. skills so that you can be helping men and women more effectively.
1: Yes, and you can get this eight session digital course pre-order right now on our website. Go to puredesire.org GLT. All right, here's our conversation with Ashley Jamison on leading women's Pure Desire groups. Ashley Jameson, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for being here.
3: Hi, I'm happy to be here again.
1: <laughs> Always so awkward. All right, so uh, you're doing better though. That's encouragement. I've heard encouragement is helpful. You're doing better. <laughs> you're doing better. Okay, so um, we've talked about women's groups. We've talked about group leadership on plenty of episodes, but we've never actually spent an entire episode specifically talking about leading women's groups. We've had an episode uh, on starting women's groups in your church, but specifically Women's group leadership—we wanted to focus on today, um, talking through why women's groups are needed, and then how to lead them the best way. So, um, mm-hmm. Ashley, you're one of our associate directors of our groups department, and you've been leading groups for years. In your experience, why are women's groups so needed in a church?
0: Ooh,
3: this is good. I'm really excited to be talking about this. Um, well, um, I did some research for a talk I previously did, and we found out that women are the fastest growing demographic of porn users. And so with that coupled um, with the statistic of only 7% of churches having an addiction recovery program in place, and then probably just a teeny, teeny fraction of that 7% is even actually for women. Mm. There's just a lot of women out there struggling. They're growing the fastest as users of porn. And there's very, very, very little um, help for them out there. So Um, That's why it's important that we're talking about this. I think it would raise awareness for women's groups. Um, And also just the shame level is high for women because, you know, it's historically been a man's issue. So those two things together, I think, is why I feel um, passionate about putting it out there that women struggle, women can get help, Mm -hmm. women can be the help for other women.
2: It's kind of amazing to me because we talk about it a lot on the podcast and we're coming up on doing this for five years. Can you believe that? Like the five-year mark around the corner. And so we talk about that sexual addiction is a people problem, that all people have been impacted by sexual brokenness, whether things done to them or by them. And so I I think in our realm here and for maybe many listening to the podcast, like, yeah, this is a people problem. And Mm -hmm. we got to have men's groups. We got to have women's groups. We got to have groups for women who've been betrayed, women who have their own issues. But what I'm surprised by is that outside of, of this world that we can kind of operate in, how common it still is that a church just has a group for men and mm-hmm. you got their men's purity group and it's the thing to do. And And I appreciate that they're doing something, but it feels like even in like a logical level, like just take spiritual out of it, on yeah. a logical level, if you've got 50 guys in a men's purity group, you know, going through the conquer series or sexual integrity 101 or mm-hmm. doing some kind of men's support and accountability because they're struggling with lust and pornography, well then you've got maybe 50 marriages that yeah. have been impacted right. by that that husband's porn use. And so what are you offering for the women? And and that's just outside of women having their own struggles and challenges, because we know that that mm-hmm. all people are sinful beings, not just men. And totally. women may struggle in some different ways, or the issues might look different, but at other times they look the same. And so the idea that, well, we have a problem that we only help men with, just it it starts to seem, I think, almost humorous to us. But I think in yeah. the church, we're still st- uh, so stuck in a way of thinking. And I I think it's maybe a little bit the answer as well, that in a lot of church, there are women's Bible studies. Like, well, we have the women's Bible study and we have the men's purity group, which even in and of itself to me is a bit of a problem because, you know, men need a Bible study and women need purity. And so when we kind of make it Mm -hmm. these two categories that that's what the women do and that's what the men do, it almost prevents them from pursuing a a more holistic spirituality. So I just think we want to take a step back and encourage Mm -hmm. everyone to see this is for men and women. And hopefully today, Women feel encouraged to help be a part of leading those groups because that's also a huge bottleneck for a lot of churches is they'd like to do it, but
1: they don't have any women stepping forward saying, I'm willing to help. Well, and one of the things that we've talked about a number of times is when uh, an addiction and sexual brokenness at any level enters a marriage and discovery happens, there's usually a large crash. We talk about this like a car crash. Where both spouses are in the crash because of right. the one struggling spouse's addiction and the betrayed spouse being on the same journey in that same relationship. And so, if you were to just take that visual of it and say, Oh, we're only going to hurt the person who is driving, or oh, we're only going to help the person who's driving, it's like, Wait, what? You're not going to get both of them into a hospital bed and care for them and make sure that they mm-hmm. both recover. And so, when you put it in a context like that, you know, to your point, Nick, it almost seems ridiculous. Like you're just going to. Just the person whose fault it was that we got in the car accident, that's the only person you're going to help. So I think that visual has helped me um, really wrap my head around the need for both. Regardless of it's a struggling spouse or a betrayed spouse, having both of those sides is so needed because you're going to have a lot of people sitting in your congregation alienated.
3: Well, and I think a lot of the people still are under the misunderstanding that if the addict stops, then the spouse will be okay. And especially if they're only looking at it from a sin theological viewpoint, uh, if they just stop sinning, then the spouse will be okay. Yeah, it's like
1: the struggling spouse saying, I'm never going to drive again. And it's like, well, that's great. But your spouse over here still has two broken legs and a broken back. So what's happening for that? (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we know that both genders can struggle. And yet, Ashley, there may be some ways if a church uh, or group is thinking about announcing or promoting women's groups that they may want to Uh, approach it in a a little unique or different way. So what are some thoughts you have about how uh, can we announce or market women's groups in our churches in a way that would really be successful and effective?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what makes the women's groups so unique is that a lot of women are also victims of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. or sexual assault, um, whether it was prior to their acting out or even simultaneously. And so some women just automatically Associate with. I've been in situations where I'm the victim. I've been with sex addicts before, and they maybe don't even see some of their own behaviors. Um, so you really do have to be careful to not say, "Hey, if you struggle with sexual addiction, come to this group." That doesn't really work so well with anybody, let alone women mm-hmm. who may not see that they're reading romance novels at the end of the night and withdrawing from their husband is something that they can work on in our groups. And so, um, just I always think it's best to cast a wide net. And that's why unraveled is for managing love, sex and relationships. It's not just, are you a porn addict? Um, And I like to just make sure that nobody puts themselves in a box. So I'll say things like, you know, if you've struggled in relationships, um, if you're, you have repeated failed relationships, if you have Mm -hmm. um, sexual behaviors that are unwanted, if you find yourself, you know, fantasizing about relationships and not being present in your current. So I guess it just depends what avenue I have to talk to women, whether it's an announcement or um, on stage, but I like to cast that wider net and just invite them to come to the orientation. That's where they can start asking more about Mm -hmm. what's in the material to see if it's right for them. So cast a great big net and invite women. And then during that orientation, that's where you can kind of share some of your story, yep. find out more ma- material. And then maybe counseling would be right. Maybe a victim's group would be right. Um, yeah. But just get them there so that they can find out. Because um, when Heather and I were traveling and doing the women's breakout, it's like, uh, you don't see any problem with your sexuality? <laughs> Wait, what? You and your husband have slept together and... In- how many yeah. decades or you're doing this on the side and mm-hmm. you're, you're having an affair and you don't think there's anything wrong with your sexuality. And so it really can be hard to self identify. And I just say, yeah. get them in a safe place, let them ask questions, share your story, mm-hmm. tell them what the material is about and uh, kind of go from there.
1: The two things that came to mind for me were first telling your story. If you have someone who has a story of healing, a story of addiction or betrayal, having them have a platform to share that story, because we talk about shame being something, especially if churches assume it's a man's problem, if a woman's struggling with it, whether it's betrayal or her own addiction to love or sex, that hearing someone's story can open that door. So I think that's really unique. You tend to just even default to I just see men on stage talking about it at church or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's the first thing. And the second thing, and you were just talking about it, Ashley, our friend Julie Slattery talks about this a little bit, that um, there's sexual, there's a, a continuum of sexual brokenness that we can all fall somewhere on it to, the, to your point of like, you haven't had sex with your spouse for a year. That is a certain level of sexual brokenness that maybe mm-hmm. isn't that maybe doesn't have the same consequences as someone who has a porn addiction but that still has consequences and it's not how god designed sexuality to be played out in a relationship so i think if you can normalize that conversation too where we all have room to grow in our sexual health or integrity i think that that's maybe not necessarily unique to women but that's a way to maybe cast the broad net a little bit Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one thing uh, we would want to clarify as you think about starting
2: women's groups or having women's groups in your church, there's definitely a need to separate out women that are going through group for their own healing Uh, for the variety of issues like you mentioned, Ashley, which I so appreciate because that's what came to mind for me, too, is for women, they may need a little more help thinking through what does sexual brokenness look like because it may not be porn, and if it's not that, they may say, well, that's not a group for me. But if you cast that wider net, that's a group for them to pursue their own healing over their addictive or struggling issues, but also to have a separate group um, for women that are on the betrayal side and are working through the relationship issues and the trust. Because we have seen churches, and this is an area where Pure Desire got to pay the dumb tax and found out, oh, that doesn't yeah. work very well. <laughs> yeah. you just, if you say like, we have this group for men and this group for women, and you try to do both in one women's group, what you're going to do is put together women who, who are really hurting and feeling betrayed because their husband's looking at pornography or has had inappropriate relationships in the same room with women who are maybe acknowledging, I've had inappropriate relationships and yeah. I've been sexting with men. And, like, yeah. and, and they're going to see each other in some ways as enemies or competition, Mm -hmm. or it's not going to be a healthy environment. So you may, you know, without people going into their stories, you may be able to do like a women's night where you just address women's sexuality. You may be able to do an orientation to talk about groups Mm -hmm. with, with both in the same room. But when you are actually getting into the heart of people sharing their stories and looking to find transformation, you really need to have a plan for both groups of women. And as we've said, if, if you can't do both right away, that's okay but just having that on the radar that that both groups really need a safe place to process with others that are on that same journey.
1: Absolutely.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So Ashley, we talk about this a lot, but just to circle back specifically in this conversation, um, what should we be looking for in potential women's groups leaders? And is there anything specific or unique that we look for in a women's group leader versus a men's group leader?
3: Um, I think what you would want to look for, and I I believe a lot of this the potential leader qualifications are the same for men and women, that you want somebody that's had traction in their healing, mm-hmm. whether that's from sexual brokenness or from betrayal trauma, that you want them a little bit removed from their acting out or their traumatic episode. Um, you want to make sure that they're supported. So they, they have their own support system through church or um, through other group activities. You want to make sure that they're transparent, if you have somebody that comes in and they're really closed off to their own, um, experiences and their own life, it's not going to set a tone to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable. Um, and I really value a leader that can navigate those kind of dual situations because in our groups, whether I'm leading unraveled or betrayal and beyond, I'm going to find women who have been sexual victims. I'm going to have women that kind of just cross both sides. So I really like to have leaders in there that, um, have the wherewithal to, mm-hmm. to address those things or at least reach out and say, Hey, this came up in group. How should I handle this? Um, to kind of not be so stuck in a box, even though we want them to follow the guidelines and respect the guidelines and, um, you know, keep the group safe. We want them to be able to think outside of the box because each woman coming in is going to be, have so many complex, you know, situations yeah. that she's bringing to groups. So those are things that I look for. I, if I'm leading a group, I'm going to be looking for the women who show up on time, whose homework's done, who's respectful of the guidelines, um, and I can see progress in her healing. Mm-hmm. Those are the women I usually encourage to go on and lead. Yeah.
2: Well, there's definitely principles of group leadership that we can apply to these kind of groups as well. It's, it's not like you need a totally different breed of leader yeah. than what your church might be yeah. looking for. And yeah, I remember even as a teenager learning about, you know, good leaders were fat, they were faithful, available and teachable. And, and there's a lot to be said just about those yeah. three words that if, mm-hmm. if you see someone who's even in, you know, as Ashley was describing, they're in an, the midst of some of their own recovery, they're they're not all the way there yet, but they're someone that you really see. They'll be faithful. They'll be mm-hmm. committed to it. I can rely on them to show up at group, to not you know be canceling it every week or to flake out. I, they they seem faithful. They're available. Like there's a willingness. They yep. want to do it. They're yep. ready. They feel maybe even a sense of call. You know that mm-hmm. all that to me falls under available and and they're teachable. They're someone that you feel as if you're on staff at a church or you're a uh, even a volunteer leader who's going to be over some of these groups and you see a person that maybe they're not great in their knowledge base right now, but they're really teachable, you can give them direction and they follow it. I mean, that that gives you a lot more latitude to work with that leader. Um, who maybe hasn't been trained. And you know we're excited that we're developing a lot more training tools here mm-hmm. at Pure Desire. And so if you do have a, a gal willing to lead groups who's on the newer end, you know, make sure to plug her into our monthly training sessions mm-hmm. that our groups team makes available because there are things like that that just for a newer leader can really provide yep. the kind of
1: energy and support to keep them moving forward and can help them have a great group experience as a leader. And honestly, we have a new group leader training program that is now out. It's a video course on our website that you can send all of your group leaders through. It's for men and women. And so women can go through it and get equipped to really feel confident to lead. And so I'm just going to plug it right now. You can go to peerdesireorg GLT mm-hmm. and do that because that's really what we're pushing as the foundation for getting trained to lead men's or women's groups.
2: Uh, so Ashley, if someone's listening, uh, a female who's wondering, boy, could I lead groups? Should I do this? Should I be considering it? Uh, maybe speak a little bit to them. Do you see any unique challenges to leading or maintaining women's groups? And if so, what might be some of the challenges that a person would face? And, and are they any different than the challenges um, a, a man might face leading one of our men's groups?
3: Yeah, some of the challenges that I see personally um, with women would be uh, their ability to break away from their family. Women often kind of run the sports schedule and maybe they're stay-at-home moms and, and not to say dads aren't either but the majority of the women um, that i see have challenges with committing to leading a group are like i don't know what to do i don't know mm-hmm. about my kids schedule i mean i just had a woman email me say you know i can't sacrifice my weeknights i'm in the same boat i have four kids weeknights are hard so i i'm like you can lead a daytime group and she was excited to hear that and i let her know i lead a group at six in the morning and i have women who get on and they're happy to be done before they go to work or before kids wake up. Um, And so navigating that, just taking time to Hmm. come away from your family, especially for, okay, so the addict may not be good at setting aside that time for recovery and self-care because that's something that addicts aren't very good at. The patriotic spouse may have low self-esteem or feel um, that they can't take this time for themselves or maybe think it's not important since they're not the one who struggles. And so first it's just, recognizing that this time that you're taking away is so valuable for you, for your family, for your kids, for your relationships. Um, That can be the the biggest hurdle. I think Um, also, I had mentioned, you know, there's a lot of women that come into group that might be victims Mm -hmm. of previous sexual abuse. And so just knowing yourself well enough to know if you're triggered that you have your own support system, you can reach out to um, and get help from. There's been times where, because women's groups aren't as, established in church, in churches um, that I've had to advocate and say, we need childcare. We need to have no obstacles mm-hmm. for these moms who are home all day with these little kids and feel like they can't break away. So if you can get church leadership to support them in that way, saying it's worth it for these marriages and mm-hmm. these families to provide two hours of childcare or allow this group to come in on a night that childcare is already, already yeah. running. Um, so we've had churches reimburse us we found our own babysitter and they've reversed us or they've provided childcare. Um, and you have to be really creative. Other times we've met during nap time and just, Mm -hmm. you know, sat and had coffee during nap time. So that can be a challenge for women. And then just, um, the lack of understanding of women's issues, it can be really shameful. And so, um, you know, just bringing that awareness that it's, it's normal to struggle and it's not anything creepy or weird. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, (laughs) feeling confident and asked to step out in that leadership role.
1: Yeah. I think um, one thing that just is coming to mind, I want to be careful how I say this, but people who are experiencing betrayal trauma um, are flooded with crazy amounts of emotion that oftentimes can seem to come out of nowhere. Something triggers it and it just takes off. Um, where And the reason why i bring that up in this context is that just statistically, there are more women who are experiencing betrayal than men. At least that's what we see in our groups. Um, Where someone who's struggling with an addiction, struggling with their own recovery, they're probably not, uh, most of them are not in tune with their emotions. They're trying to avoid them. That's why they're seeking unhealthy behavior to try to medicate that. And so I, I think I bring that up mostly just because we need to be understanding of where those people are at um, in that process of recovering from betrayal trauma, because they're going to be frozen and stuck a lot. And I just the word that comes to mind is understanding and patience, understanding that this process is going to take a long time. And there are going to be weeks where a betrayed spouse, and I've, I don't know this from experience. I know this from conversation with Ashley and with Jen and Heather and the women on staff who've led groups some of the PSAP training as well, but they get stuck and it usually takes them a while to understand and take agency of their own recovery. And so just going into it with that understanding, I think will help in the long run. Um, And I think that that's why we encourage so many churches to educate themselves on betrayal trauma. Yeah. I remember for
2: my wife and I, the first time we did group, um, we were driving about half an hour and our group night was actually the same night which in particular, because we had to travel a little ways to get to this church where the groups were, doing it the same night was just huge. Because rather than both Mm -hmm. of us having a night, we got to drive half an hour, be gone out of the home. It was kind of our family night. And we got as odd as this may seem, some fun family time in the way in the car up and back. Our kids were little. Um, We'd often be talking about our week on the way up. Mm. We'd many times stop for McDonald's ice cream cone on the way home. But anyway, just all that to to maybe cast vision for some that doing men's and women's groups at a church on the same night and providing childcare can be a real win for a young family. And Mm -hmm. let's be honest, many people who need help with sexual brokenness, Will tend to be young families because mm-hmm. that's a season of life where your stuff, your family of origin issues, your poor habits, your lack yep. of discipline, your addictive issues tend to hit the fan because suddenly, you know, when you've maybe just been a young married couple with no kids, mm-hmm. you've been able to maybe get by with some um just less of discipline in your life. Yeah. It's easier to kind of hide your weaknesses, but you start throwing little kids in and the financial pressures and all that, just like. Stuff hits Mm -hmm. the fan in that season of life. And if you add on top of that, like, well, you've got to figure out how to get to a group on your night and I've got to go to mine on a different night and there's really nothing for our kids. Um, it, it can be a lot. Now, it's not to say that can't be navigated. That's not an excuse. Because right. um, we we do always encourage men as well. Like something you do is you you step up and say, I'll watch the kids whenever yeah. you need me to for yeah. you to do group. Because I, I know you need that support. Mm-hmm. And especially if they're the ones that are causing the betrayal trauma, like yeah. I want you to get healthy. I'll watch the kids. But if it is on the same night, I just that was such a blessing to us. Mm-hmm. And um, gave us interaction with the child care workers, with other couples that had young kids, and the shared experience, I think, was really powerful for us. So if if some of you listening never thought about that, just to cast that vision of what might that look like to serve your young men and women in recovery by providing
1: child care and, and just really adding to their experience. It is interesting how small practical things can be so helpful in this area of groups, just how thinking through more of a holistic approach to it can really invite people. And I mean, the language I continue to use is just like basically tear down the hurdles that you could be putting Mm -hmm. in place of people.
3: Right. I remember when we did the same night and it was like, the kids would get in the car. It was never sweet and peaceful. It was always like, get in the car, we have to go. But they're always like, (laughs) oh, well, we're going to men or men's group and women's group tonight. Mommy and Daddy have men's and women's group, or Waylon used to call it man's group. And it was just like, okay, we need to heal as a family. We're going to this thing. Yeah. And it was. It was so much better than having two separate nights because when I would go to Betrayal and Beyond when I was in that group and the kids would be home with John, it's like he's recovering and working hard on his addiction, but now he doesn't have these coping mechanisms. And so he's even kind of more bent or, you know, like pent up because he's still learning how to navigate feelings without using his old coping strategies. Mm -hmm. And so then I would feel stressed in my group because I knew the kids were home and they're toddlers and mouthy preteens. And (laughs) so it was just really nice to be able to not have that distraction when I was trying to work on my own healing or leading groups.
1: Yeah. And then now you have adults and mouthy preteens huh. basically. Where you're at now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So leading pure desire groups, we know from experience and we know so many people out there who've experienced this, they can be challenging and really draining. Um, I mean, it's not like, I know that you can look forward to it, but it's also not like your life is going super great and that's why you're going to group each week. So what mm-hmm. encouragement would we give specifically to women who are leading pure desire groups, whether that's unraveled or betrayal and beyond?
3: Yeah. I, I feel like I say this quite a bit to leaders that, you know, take the breaks that you need. You as a woman, and especially if you've, if you've uh, had the betrayal experience, you are not responsible for the healing of everybody around you. Mm. It's so nice to pay it for it. It's so nice to step in and it's a wonderful experience and it contributes to your healing. It's great. But if you're feeling like you need a break from leading um, and you're worried, you know, women all over the world will never find help because you stopped leading your group, that's not true, because we have groups and and people here at Pure Desire that can support those women who need group, or we can help train up new leaders with you. Um, and then I say to pick a time that really suits your schedule. Um, I'm about uh, six months into my unraveled group, and I love it. it's just it's just wonderful to get up at five thirty and have it done before my work day even starts. My last group I did at twelve o'clock in the in the afternoon, and once summer hit, I was like, oh, I don't <laughs> like leading groups. <laughs> so, and same thing if I were to do an evening. Evening is yep. for my family, for my husband, for my kids. And and I know evenings work well for some, but I always say, pick the time and day of the week that is going to benefit you. Yep. Don't worry if we're asking for evening leaders or that's, you know, pick what works for you because if if it's fun and and stress free stress free for you, you're not going to get burnt out easy, and it's going to be something that's nice on your schedule. So, um, take breaks, have your support. Sometimes groups are heavy, and so after group, you may need to just kind of reward yourself. Like every you know week after group, then I schedule this coffee date with my friend or I go on a walk. Um, just take care of yourself and see uh, maybe where you have stress or Mm. anxiety or negative emotions come up that surround group. Is it before group is it after, and then put something in place to create self care or switch things around so that that's group is not an anxious or stressful thing for you.
2: Yeah. The phrase that comes to mind for me as an encouragement to women about leading groups is that you're more ready than you realize. If, yes. if you're listening to this podcast and there's a part of you that feels like, man, our group really needs something, and I know there are women hurting and I mean I'm hurting. I just I wish there was something there. and and if if there's that desire on your heart, I think there is something to be considered there of why do you have that desire? why why do you want to see your church do something? And it, it probably goes beyond just your own needs. And yes, you have needs, but if you see that it's a need bigger than yours, you might be someone that God is tapping on the shoulder saying, why not go talk mm-hmm. to that female staff member? Why not talk to your friend who leads groups and say, hey, could we start this group at our yeah. church? And I am i don't know if I'm totally ready, but I'm willing to help, and I'd like to see it happen. And so if if I can help some way, let me know. Um you're more ready than you realize because if you have that desire to help and and you feel like, hey, I can be faithful, I'm available, I'll be teachable, uh, I think there are a lot of steps that you can take. There are a lot of ways that we can help prepare you and that mm-hmm. if you've got a little bit of support from your church, I, I think you're ready and you can make it work. And Ashley and the team have so many stories of where that's exactly the scenario yep. that led to a church mm-hmm. having groups that get reproduced over time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just self-care. Self-care just it continues to be a theme I hear with, with leaders. And I think that, um, and I'll just speak from my experience growing up in the church and, you know, looking at my wife that I didn't see a lot of, um, self-care modeled or taught that it's okay. And I think that, you know, to Ashley's point earlier of like, you know, you're managing the schedule as, you know, the woman in the household you're watching, potentially watching the kids all the time. And so you feel like you have less and less space for it. Um, But especially if you're leading a group and going through your own journey, because we encourage leaders to also be on their own journey while they're leading other people. Man, self-care is just really, really important. And yeah, at the the risk of sounding condescending, I'm just giving permission. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. to do self-care. You know, maybe it is a walk. Maybe it is going to see a movie. Maybe it is hanging out with a friend. Maybe it's just going outside and reading a book. Like there's plenty of ways to find, but I just think that we need to know we have permission for that.
2: So Ashley, as we think of women leading groups, what are some of the best practices they can keep in mind for leading groups well?
3: Um, This isn't one of our official best practices, but I would say women can be high emotion uh, and wear feelings out loud. So I would Mm. say don't get sucked into the intensity of the emotions in your group. If you can respond in a calm way and empathize but your demeanor is calm your voice is calm you're not i can't believe you know don't get sucked in and i feel like that's been the best thing that i can do for my groups because you get people coming into group that are in all kinds of phases of crisis and emotional states and um emotional maturity because Mm -hmm. we know that especially on the addict side that that emotional maturity can kind of stunt wherever your addiction picked up and so I say, if you can be calm, that's going to be a nice, um, mirror for them that they'll start to model that response as well. And so, uh, be calm, be calm in the way you talk a lot of times. And especially cause it's, you know, six o'clock in the morning, my family's sleeping. I talk really quiet and slow <sighs> yeah. and, you know, the lights are kind of dim and it's very soft. It's not this, I'm a high energy person, but that's not how I'm always running my groups if, if the tone doesn't feel like that's appropriate. Um, And then again, start on time, end on time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I keep my group on schedule because as soon as I wane from that, they'll pick up on that. And so if I do something like this morning where I woke up 10 minutes before I needed to be on group and I kind of got rolling a little bit late by like five minutes, I apologize and said, I am apologize for taking five minutes of your guys' time. Um, And now that means that our time is going to be a little shorter. And I'm really sorry about that. But with that being said, that means I need you each to stick to a seven minute check in so we can be done with the check in part by seven Mm -hmm. o'clock. And so if I break any of the guidelines, I own them to show Mm -hmm. them that it's not okay, and also to show them that I'm noticing right away. And so Mm -hmm. that produces a culture of. When women can't make it to group, um, like I, have, I had one in the past that said, It's my birthday this weekend. People are taking me out of town. I can't make it to group. I feel really bad. And I said, Do your homework ahead of the time so you can be guilt free on your birthday. Tell your group ahead of the time, you know, ahead of time that you finished your lesson. These were your highlights from mm-hmm. it. Share your faster scale. Make sure you're keeping up with your calls. And by the time group came, she felt really excited about that. And so model that those guidelines are important. And yeah. I think. And then also just your demeanor of being calm, and Mm -hmm. even if it's something you don't understand, say, "Let me find out for you, and I'll get back to you." And um, just just try to keep yourself apart a little bit in that way in bringing them to more emotional health.
1: Yeah, I think one word that comes to mind is just consistency. Knowing that consistency communicates a lot to your group. If you're, you know, and it's not even just are you on time every single week, but are you showing up ready? Are you modeling going first? Are you that really, because I think consistency creates a safe place, creates um, a sense of security that it's okay for me. I mm-hmm. feel good here sharing because I know my leader consistently shows up for us, and leads conversation and goes to the guidelines. So I just think philosophically, that's one major thing that I help that I think helps, especially when women are going through this really difficult, you know, recovery is its own thing, but specifically betrayal trauma, they're looking for security anywhere they can find it. And so as a leader, there's a lot that you can do to stay consistent and create that safe place.
2: Yeah. I think in addition to those, I mean, those are important. The owning your weaknesses, consistency, um, keeping a healthy emotional separation from other Mm -hmm. people's stories. Cause I think especially in women's groups, there is a tendency for it to be, if you're in, in a betrayal group, it, it can be heavy. And if yeah. if you're someone that does okay. get really sucked into someone else's story and feeling their pain, I mean, it's good to empathize mm-hmm. and it's good to be present with people. But at the end of the group, you have to be able to to lay some of that down and let that be their story because the the encouragement that I would give, and this is, I think, for any new group leader, the best thing you can do to lead well is just be all in on your own recovery mm-hmm. and be kind of just doing it on display for others to watch what you're doing it's amazing how then they'll just do it too and i feel like Mm -hmm. when i led my first group i'd only been through one group Mm -hmm. um and and i didn't really feel like i knew what i was doing but that was encouragement i got from the team here was just keep doing what you're doing and invite people to follow along and so Mm -hmm. as i was consistent about i had done my faster scale and i had thought it through and, and i would even say things like I don't totally know if this is accurate because I was feeling a whole bunch of stuff, but what I landed on in under anxiety was, you know, this, and and I I said, I'm just doing my best to answer it according to this. I think that helped people see like, oh, Nick, Nick's just doing the work. Mm -hmm. He's diving in and doing his best and he's not getting all technical and worried if he did it right or wrong. He's still making a good effort because I think then as group members, they felt the same way. And as I made my phone calls, you know, it was amazing how many times you call someone and they say, oh. Well, since you did your check-in, would it be okay if I did mine? And so without ever trying to lead someone to make phone calls, I'd help them make a phone call because I'd done mine. And so I think all that to say when you're leading a group, especially if you feel newer at it, you're not really sure if you're doing it the right way, just be all in on your recovery and then be sharing that. Share your answers, do your phone calls, share your homework it's going to be far more effective at facilitating others yeah. to do the same thing than you could possibly realize. Um, and really, I think it's what makes you a good leader. Mm-hmm. The, the best leaders I've, I've had are always engaged and the ones that were difficult to follow were people like, well, I didn't really get mine done, but you know, go, you guys go ahead and share your answers. <laughs> like, are you really with us in this? Or are you yeah. just, you know,
1: kind of fulfilling a role? So yeah. keep that in mind. Totally. Yeah. I, one other thing that comes to mind and I, um, I would just say this, that you don't have to be a betrayal, trauma, or recovery expert to be a good leader. And I think sometimes you need to hear that, that you don't have to put that pressure on yourself. And I think that that's you know, an extension of what you're saying, Nick, that you don't have to do everything perfectly, um, that that's not what leadership is. Leadership isn't modeling that. But just, I feel like as a leader, I have often needed to hear, you don't have to be perfect, and it's not your responsibility that these people heal. You're just helping facilitate the healing that's available to them. Um Okay, so uh, I I kind of love this question just because it can tend to be humorous a little bit. But what are some things that we want to avoid when leading women's groups? Like, what are the no nos that we want to make sure people know about?
3: Uh, we don't want to be man bashers. We don't mean <laughs> known yeah. as the man basher group. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. Oh, that group is just a bunch of complaining about men. And so uh, I think a way a way to avoid that, especially in the betrayal um, groups that we stick to reading the questions and the answers that are in the workbook, because I would like to say that we're not man bashers in our material. And so some of that may be coming if somebody's off shooting and having a really bad week and going off on a tangent or elaborating on how bad they hate somebody or that jerk shouldn't have done that to you. Mm-hmm. And so I would keep the tone of the group very um, positive and self-focused. I mean, it can still be painful, but um keep those tangents to a minimum and keep people to the group questions that are in the workbook to avoid that. Uh, let's see some of the other challenges, uh, for women's groups. Again, um, some of the calls that we'll get are bringing children to the group, bringing babies to the group, having babies on camera. So all you can do to set that Mm. up so that you can have some quiet time. I mean, just because you are home, um, doesn't mean that you know you want kids in the background, even if it's a Zoom meeting. Like right now, my kids are getting an enormous amount of iPad time because (laughs) I had meetings today. (laughs) But at least you can't hear them or see them. Um so do you know do what you need to do to make sure that you have that privacy. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I can't think of it any more that are specific to women because like we say about addiction and our groups, it's that these are people problems, men feel betrayed, men are addicts. And the same with leading, that we are people. So men, I would never say women are more emotional than men. We may show it in a different way, but Mm -hmm. men have feelings too and feel hurt and um performance and you know acceptance and shame. So um a lot of these apply to men and women. Yeah.
2: You know, I think that brings up a really good idea for churches that, that aren't able to provide childcare. You know, because if someone calls in for, to your group for a women's group and says, you know, can I bring my three kids with me? It's like, well, no, that's not going to work for you. It's not going to work for the rest of the group. But at the same time, I think that's a reality. If you have a women's group with a lot of young moms in it childcare falls through, plans fall apart, kids get sick. And so maybe thinking ahead of time, what is our contingency plan? Mm-hmm. If you've been planning group all week and your babysitter's coming, but then your babysitter calls an hour before and says, I can't make it. what 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 is your approach as a group? Does it just mean that woman has to meet that miss that week? Or could you have some contingencies of we, we're an in-person group, but that week we let her join on a Zoom video and we've got that set mm-hmm. up. We're ready for it. Or Maybe if, if you are meeting in a church, you have a room um, that's available that has, you know, it's kid appropriate, kids toys in it. and maybe, All the iPads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe your church has, I know our church did. We had a few people on a call list that just said, hey, if you need childcare for something at the church, and and it's suddenly, you know, one of those emergencies that we've got 20 more kids than we expected, uh, give me a call. Things like that, that just you could try to help women not just miss, because like, well, one of my kids is sick, I'm not coming, or the babysitter didn't come, I can't make it. Because if that's the case, you'll probably have a lot more sporadic attendance, because that's real life. So I think having a plan helps. Uh, The other thing I would say is uh, something to avoid, and this is more from the maybe church level or announcement level, and it's feedback I've heard from women. It's when the women's groups maybe get a certain, um, they're known for something, and, and women feel like, well, I thought that was just a group for married women. So none of the single women are going. Or mm. I thought that was only a group for wives who yeah. g- were going through an affair. It was a fair recovery. Or uh, yeah. I've heard someone talk about what was so, the way they promoted it and the leader was all flowery and, and so feminine. They were just like, I just, blah, I didn't want it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you want to be careful that your group doesn't get <laughs> such a, a certain reputation that mm-hmm. women that don't fit that won't come. Yeah. Because if, if it's a group for women who are processing their broken sexuality... You want that to include any women at your church that, that are eligible to come and That's not right. self-disqualify because they get a sense the group isn't for them. So just be mindful mm-hmm. of how you promote and invite women mm-hmm. so that they really feel free to come. It's good, guys. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I really like that. So let's uh, turn the script a little bit. Ashley, a lot of this has been for women to think about and women's groups, but for men, would you talk to them for a few minutes? What are things that men could do to encourage women's groups, and women's group leaders in their churches?
3: Um, Well, a couple of the obvious. Have as much support that you can offer as possible, whether that's childcare, private room, um, giving them the announcements they need, um, funds if they need it, Mm. you know, for different things, training, opportunities, those kinds of things. Um, For husbands, just... Understanding that this is a family systems issue. So, all that you can do to take stress off and um, make her feel like it's worth her time leaving the house, you know, she's not coming back to chaos and anger every time. That's not going to encourage her to continue to go to group. Um, another one would be spe- specifically for the betrayed spouses things like, well, you have issues too, you have things to work on too. I would phrase it in a way of, I know I've hurt you. And there's this support group for women mm-hmm. who have been betrayed by their husband's behaviors, um, that I, I would love for you to be a part of so that you can have the support you need and deserve while I'm working through recovery mm-hmm. would be a way, way better way to say it than huh. you've got stuff to work on too, or you're not dealing you? with me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, and that's actually a very common language. So, um, you know, John didn't say it exactly like that, but he did say something like you need to get some help. And I was like, <laughs> I don't need any. Help. You know, like I was crazy. <laughs> you don't say that. So you say, I messed up and I know that mm. and I I know you wouldn't have to go to this group if it weren't for the betrayal yeah. that I caused. Um and so I'm sorry about that, but I want to support you and I'll take care of the kids or I'll you know, so so really the way you present it can to make make a lot of difference too from that personal spouse's side.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like this might rub some people in their, you know, church internal organization leadership structure, but this is getting weird the yeah, way you're saying this. I know. Um <laughs> it's something I'm assuming it might in rub my... <laughs> their internal church organization. Like, what are talking <laughs> Oh, the wrong way. Oh, hey, well, you just let me share already. <laughs> Get no, to it. I think um Oftentimes, in the churches I've been involved with, I see a lot of men's leadership teams get together and discuss, what are we doing for men and women? And I think that there's, mm-hmm. a, there is an element of... Uh, not even an element. There is a necessity to have women at that table having that conversation. Um, and so that's what I mean, is that you may have some people in the church who's like, oh no, le- you know, women aren't in leadership. And it's like, well, if that's where you're at, that's totally fine. You, you know, That's your conviction. However, inviting them to have a voice in how groups Uh, are announced and how many groups we're going to have, where the groups are going to meet. And inviting their perspective, I think, is really valuable. And so that's what I mean by rubbing someone's internal organization of church the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe we said it three times. Uh, You know, the word that came to me kind of connected to that
2: was if you're a man in a church that is doing men's purity stuff, whether it's Conquer or Seven Pillars, or you're doing SI 101 for the men, or using other kind of group material, group studies— you need to advocate for the women. You need to be willing to go to your pastor or the men's leader who's doing the men's stuff and say, what are we doing for women? Mm-hmm. You know, and and use the stats, you know, because your church has probably used to the yeah. stats to promote the men's group. You know, if you're doing Conquer Series, 60 to 70% of men in the church are struggling. And if you're in that group, for you to go to the leader and say, you know, if 60 to 70% of us men are struggling, that means 60 to 70% of the marriages are struggling. Yep. What are we doing for the women? Yeah. Or the stat that we use, that 25 to 30% of women in the church are struggling with unwanted sexual behavior. What are we doing to help them? And, and I think the power you have, because you're maybe in recovery yourself, you're already making yourself available to what your church is offering. I think you really have a role to play in encouraging, hey, we need something for women. And even if your wife isn't ready to go or you're not married, I think the fact that men start to step up and say something— mm-hmm. It it just, it makes a difference because yeah. if, if it's only yeah. this, a couple of gals who are mentioning it once in a while, it'd be nice, and could we do that? Just, I mean, keep in mind for a, a gal to go to what is more often than not gonna be a male yeah. pastor, yep. senior pastor, solo pastor, the only pastor, and ask about starting women's groups, that's immediately kind of an odd conversation for that male pastor. He's like, well, you're not, not always sure what to say. it's yeah. He's not gonna lead it for sure, so yeah. I've gotta think about leaders. Versus if, if another man can come to the pastor and say, what are we doing? How can I help make mm-hmm. that happen? It's it's just going to move the conversation forward. So I'm, I'm not saying women shouldn't go to their pastor if he's a man and yeah. ask for help. Yeah. But there's there's a dynamic there that if, if it's not currently happening, there may be some gender issues that a, a staff or a pastor haven't worked through very well yeah. in, in how they support groups. And so as a man be an advocate for the women Absolutely. in your church and say, we need groups. Cause I think you could really, really help, um, kind of change mm-hmm. the tide there. Totally.
3: Yeah. That's really good advice. I love that.
1: So what are some final encouragements that we'd give to women who are leading betrayal and beyond or unravel groups in their church or community?
3: Um, I like what Nick said earlier that you may feel underqualified, but you're probably not. And we, we like to figure out where you're starting from. If you have a passion to lead, it maybe you're starting with some training. It may be um, you want to lead, but you don't want to lead online, or you don't you don't want you know have the capability to lead in church, and you just want to start a little group with some of your friends. Um, so wherever you're at, I think if you're feeling a passion to lead, even if you don't have um, betrayal or sexual addiction as part of your story, I think there's still a spot for anybody who has that heart to lead. Um, And also along with what Nick says, we do get guys that reach out and say, I run the men's groups and I know we need something for women. And a lot of our response is, do you have any women who are just good leaders that Mm -hmm. come to your mind or any wives that come to your mind? And when they connect them with us, we're able to just start with these women and they may not even know much about pure desire, but they're good leaders or they're wives of some of the men in some of the groups and we're able to start working with them. So um, just make that connection and make that first step. And and like Nick said, if you're a guy and you know some women that would be willing to lead, connect them with us and we'll take it from there and we could support them and um, you know, get into all the nitty gritty details of leading women's groups. Mm-hmm.
2: Yes, and my final encouragement would be you are not alone. Mm. You are not alone. If you are a woman in your church and you are on the betrayal side, I guarantee you, you are not the only woman who is dealing with mm-hmm. betrayal. I mean, unless you're like in a church of two people, you and your husband, <laughs> then you might be the only But if you're in a church of any size more than two, <laughs> you are not alone. Yeah. And the enemy, I think, tries to say, you are the only woman who's had this happen. Mm-hmm. Your husband is the only one with these issues. Like, no, yeah. no, you are not alone. And mm-hmm. if you're dealing with some sexual brokenness in your life where you've got addictive issues, you've got porn struggles, you've got issues in relationships, yeah. romance novels, like... You are not alone. You're not the only woman who's struggling. And if if you can find through God's help, the courage to, to raise up your voice and say, hey, can we start a group for women? You're gonna start to find some of those other women. Yeah. And then as you move into leadership, You're not alone there either, because we're here to help. Mm -hmm. We can connect you to other leaders that maybe are um, leading groups and churches in your area or through other regions of the country. You're not alone. And so whether you're on that side of, well, I think I'm the only one, I shouldn't start groups, or you are starting groups, but you feel like you're alone, I think we just want you to know there's support, there's help, and you're not the only one. And Mm -hmm. if God can use you to open that door, I think you'll find out pretty quickly that there are others who will walk through it and say, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for starting this group. I've been praying for it, and Mm -hmm. I didn't know we had one, but I'm so excited.
1: Thank you for having the courage to start this group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would just say the brokenness that you've experienced uniquely qualifies you to help other women heal. Mm -hmm. I think of 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, talking about how when God comforts us, it gives us the ability to comfort other people. And I think that that's but that's one of the beautiful ways that God uses or reuses what we've experienced. So just know that you are uniquely qualified because of your story to help other people and that you can have confidence in that. Oh man, uh, go. Oh, you got more. Let's do it. No, I just, <laughs> let's do it.
3: I just want to know how many people and feel free to respond in the comments could not stop hearing. Is it Carrie Job? You are not alone. The song, <laughs> as Nick was, I, I feel can like I should say that it. as Go ahead, no, we that's know you okay. can okay. And we're okay. going
1: to end this episode. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs>
3: every... it's I am not alone.
1: There you go. Okay. okay. Go. Yeah, we'll put the YouTube in the show notes. Uh, <laughs> every church, it is clear, and we believe this wholeheartedly, every church needs women's groups for unwanted sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. It's not enough to just have groups for men. And this goes really, if you can offer both men's and women's groups, this goes a really long way in creating that safe place and that safe culture in your church where people can admit they need help. And man, that's the first step to getting help is admitting that you need it. So we hope our conversation today gives you confidence in some next steps, getting women's groups going and how to lead them well in your church and community. Ashley, thank you for what you do here and thanks for being with us today.
3: Thanks for having
1: me. And wherever you're at on your journey, Pure Desire is here to help create a roadmap for your healing. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual brokenness or betrayal trauma, go to puredesire.org and let's start the healing journey today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Each week we put out new content to help you on the road to healing and freedom. And lastly, never stop being healthy. Here's what's coming up next week on the Pure Desire Podcast.
0: Every woman that takes a breath. If This is going to be one of our best resources
3: that we've ever put out. They're wanting to be married. They're wanting to be sexual. And they're saying, what does this even
0: look like? Is it even okay to have these discussions? I think that's one of the things that's interesting about women who struggle is that we don't take good care of ourselves. We're the last person, and sometimes we are taking care of everybody else, but we're the last person that we take care of. And that, I think, is my favorite part
3: about these resources.